Chapter 9. Read by Kaburb. Meet Adwarodam, Orla, daughter of Ara. Adwarodam from the Blacklock clans, Orla is a consummate warrior. She left her homeland in the far east and traveled to Erebor after it was reclaimed. The only Blacklock in the mountain, Orla endured several years of suspicion. As the name suggests, Orla has a great shock of black hair, which she keeps in a tail-like topknot. She shaves the sides of her head to keep it out of her eyes, and crops her beard close and oils it into tight curls. Black-skinned and dark-eyed, Orla is extremely severe and stern, and her face shows absolutely no evidence that she has ever smiled at all. To the surprise of all, she married Dwalin, son of Fundin, in 2980TA. They have three children, Thorin, Balin, and Freren. Frodo grew like a weed. He was a curious young fellow, and as cheerful and adventurous as a hobbit could be. Thorin rather approved of his loyal friend Samwise, but the Took and Brandybuck were far too reminiscent of Feely and Keeley in their rambunctious thirties. He could barely look at them without wanting to scold them. Bilbo grew older, but barely showed it at all. He became a little reclusive as the years turned, and took to writing in his study more and more often. Thorin read over his shoulder. It never occurred to him that he shouldn't. Here now, my beard has never been that long, he protested at one point, and Bilbo tisked. It's called artistic license, he muttered to himself, but he crossed out the line anyway. Time stretched and stretched, and Bilbo lived on and on and on. He prepared for his 111st, as he called it, birthday party with the greatest of glee, chuckling and muttering to himself day and night, and rubbing his hands in anticipation. Beaufort sent a whole cartload of toys from his shop to hand out his birthday presents for the little ones. Thorin never quite understood the hobbit practice of giving gifts upon one's name day, but to each their own. The surprise was carried off in fine style, and he stayed to enjoy some of the confusion. Hobbits were so prim and easily shocked, and their astonishment was rather entertaining. Eventually, Thorin arrived at the door of Bag End just as Bilbo was leaving. He watched with a small smile as his hobbit picked up his favorite walking stick and began to make his way down Bagshot Row, singing as he went. Safe travels, my burglar, he murmured, and turned to enter Bag End just one last time. This hobbit hole was where it had all began, and he would say his farewells for old time's sake. <laughs> 
His eye was caught by the ring, sitting innocently on the stoop. He bent to study it. Bilbo's little gold ring. Why had he left it behind? Well, Thorin Oakenshield? Thorin whipped around in shock. Gandalf was still standing by the fireplace, looking absurdly huge amongst all of Bilbo's things. You... you can see me. Of course I can see you, Gandalf said. You're standing right there, aren't you? Thorin took a step forward, his eyes wide. No one has seen me. No one has ever seen me. Not in sixty years. You certainly haven't been coming to chat with me or Radagast then, my dear boy, Gandalf said, casually stealing some of Bilbo's fine pipeweed and packing his pipe. How many times must I remind other folk that I am a wizard? I cannot believe this, Thorin said, stunned. Do you always see us? I don't spend a great deal of time in one place, as a rule, and so I never stay long in lands where a dwarf spirit might linger, Gandalf said, stretching out his legs and lighting his pipe. He blew a smoke ring. And no, not always, to answer your question. It is a matter of perception, and such things require concentration. Sometimes I may look at a dwarf and know that he or she is no longer in the world of the living. I don't always know them, of course. Certainly not as well as I knew you. Sometimes I wonder if either of us knew me at all, Thorin said darkly, and sat down on a chair. I cannot believe it. Wizards can see me. All of us who were once servants of the greater powers still have some of our gifts, Gandalf said, raising a bushy eyebrow. And not all of us are friendly. I was not aware you were, Thorin snapped back, and Gandalf chuckled. Oh yes, Master Oakenshield. Compared to others, I am indeed friendly. Or at least I try to be a friend. I suggest you require more practice, Thorin growled. Possibly, my dear boy, possibly. Gandalf blew out another smoke ring and then fixed Thorin with his piercing blue stare. And is that why you are here, watching Bilbo's little performance? Being a good friend? Thorin's teeth clamped together. Gandalf smiled. I see. How are things in the halls? As always, they are beautiful, Thorin said grudgingly, and unchanging and full of the dead. I long for the colors of Middle-earth and spend as much time here as I can spare, which is a great deal because, once more, dead. And do you intend to keep watching Bilbo? Gandalf leaned forward. He seemed very intent on the answer. Thorin hesitated. I will always watch Bilbo, he said eventually. I owe him a great debt, one that can never be repaid. I will care for him and keep him safe. Thorn, my dear fellow, as you have taken great pains to point out, you are dead. What on earth could you possibly do? His chin lifted sharply. Mahal gave me a gift, 
My life was marred by shadow, my death unjust. I do not know how many others have been given this power, but I was blessed thusly. The living may on occasion hear me. Not clearly, and not always. But their subconscious can hear my words. Well, well, Gandalf said, his eyes narrowing and his mouth gnawing thoughtfully on his pipe stem. I wonder why Lord Ali did such a thing. He can read the signs, and he knows his pupil. The wizard stared into the flames and began to mutter and mumble under his breath as he thought. Thorin waited for the old wizard to finish. When he did not, he left in disgust. Maybe he could catch up with Bilbo before he got too far. Peace ran down the corridor. Thorin met his father's eyes, and together they raced after her. He could hear Frere and Fries and Thoror following closely behind. She flung back the doors to the audience chamber as she entered, her heavy skirt sweeping back behind her and her gray hair flying. Dine, she called, and the king turned to her. Dine! This, what is, he began, but she shook her head curtly. There's a stranger at the gates. He paused. Not one of the Bizenrun. She made a harsh sound in the back of her throat. He bears a message. Dine frowned. Then he seemed to recognize the fear that danced in Deese's eyes. A message from where? She swallowed, her chest heaving. Mordor. Thrine gasped and staggered. Thorin's hand shot out and together he and Frerin steadied their father. Dine's face, withered and old but still full of strength, paled dramatically. Mordor, he repeated in amazement and dread. But Mordor is no kingdom. Darkness gathers upon the plain of Gorgoroth true, but the lord of that land fell three thousand bloody years ago. And still he says, Mordor... The Lady Deese, first advisor to the king, lifted her head. Her mouth was taut and her face pinched, but still she stood tall and proud. Could it be true? Could the evil that once lived there live again? With a long, shuddering breath, Dine met her eyes fully. I have had reports from the lands of the South, was all he said, and Deese let out a guttural cry of horror. Eru save us, Mahal protect us, she breathed. Her crystalline voice was shattered in fear. Why must meet with him? Dine braced himself and closed his eyes tightly for a second, before drawing his old body up. What sort of message? He will only speak to the king, she said, and her hands fisted themselves over and over again at her sides. He wears black and rides a black horse. He is as tall as men, and he speaks with a male voice, though he hisses like a snake. That's all I know. Thrine began to tremble. Cousin, don't go down to him, he begged. The deceits of the enemy, you cannot begin to know their terror. They broke me, Dine. He lied and he broke me. Shh, Adad, 
Thorin said, and smoothed a hand down Thrine's forearm. Mother, grandfather. Freese and Thor nodded bleakly. We'll go after him, Freese said quietly, and she took her husband's hand. Come here, Thrine, love. It cannot return. The madness can never touch you again. Thor shivered and then sent a quick look at Thorin. I'll collect your company. Thorin nodded, and then he looked back at Freren. Get the lads. Freren nodded. Glancing back to Dees and Dine, Thorin set his jaw. I'll stay here. Aye, Thor said, and laid a comforting arm around Thrine's shoulder. We meet in my forge. Bring us all the news you can. Get him out of here, Thorin told them, before returning his attention to Dine and Dees. Around him, his family disappeared, fading into the background as the pool of Glimline Zaram reclaimed them. Down to him, Dine was saying, his eyes cold and angry. I would not be so foolish. Neither can you refuse him, Dees said harshly. The servants of Mordor do not take no for an answer. Stall him, Thorin said, and both his sister and cousin paused momentarily. Stall him. Buy Erebor some more time. We must send for help. Well, first we should see what he wants, Dine said, and he picked up the crown and placed it on his wild white head. As it touched his hair... Dine seemed to bow under its weight before standing taller again. I will speak from the south battlements. Thorin's heart sank. Would he never escape those awful, cursed battlements? There he had spied a dragon, and there he had lifted his hand against his hobbit. Now he would watch his cousin face down a messenger of the enemy of all free peoples. Gloin already stood upon the ramparts his eyes unforgiving and his armor gleaming. Dwalin stood behind him, and his face was grim and stony. The prince Thorin Stonehelm, a dwarf with the Doran profile, a thick neck and long, loose black hair, nodded once he saw his father and the first advisor approach. The wind was harsh upon the southern arm of the mountain, and Dine's magnificent white beard was tugged by its icy fingers as he made its way to the battlements and peered over. Messenger, he said curtly. I am Dine, second of that name, called Ironfoot, son of Nine and the king under the mountain. What is your message? King Dine, said the messenger with a bow. Its voice hissed and rasped, and Thorin shuddered at the sound. I bring you greetings from Lord Sauron of the Great. I have no need of greetings, Dine said. Careful, Dees whispered. You are wise, Lord, said the messenger in his hissing voice. Wise or not, I am busy, said Dine curtly. Say your peace, messenger. My lord Sauron the Generous wishes for your friendship, O king under the mountain, said the messenger. His horse snorted and rolled its red eyes. You are a great lord of dwarves, and have made your kingdom powerful and secure in but a few scant years. Together we can make an alliance to ensure it survives in peace and prosperity for all time. 
And what would be the price of such friendship? Dee spat, and Dine shook his head sharply. She subsided, but her eyes flashed. We do not speak to the advisors of the king, lady, but to the king himself, said the messenger. And to the king we say, this friendship costs you nothing. We would be allies and friends for all time, bringing riches and gain to both our peoples. All my master wishes is for a small token of your goodwill. What token? Dine asked warily. A mere trifle, my lord. And in return, Soren the Lord of Gifts would give you such treasures as to make you envy of all your forefathers. Rings of power he shall give, as in days of old. As Thorin's pulse thudded in his ears, and the fury began to rise in his gullet, he was struck by the thought that it was just as well his father had already left. Such a trifle must be valuable indeed, to gain such a reward, Dine said, his tone carefully even. I ask again, what is this token? We wish for anything you know, O great king, concerning hobbits. Thorin's blood froze. Dine was still as stone, and his wrinkled face expressionless as the messenger continued. My master would have anything you know concerning them, where they live, what they are, and so forth. For we know that one of these was at one time known to you. Bilbo. Don't tell them anything, Thorin cried, and he leapt for Dine and grabbed the fur mantle he wore. His hands passed through it, and he threw his head back and roared, Don't tell them anything about Bilbo. Don't you dare. Dine was silent, and Deese's face was troubled. Thorin panted, shaking with the after-effects of his shock and anger. His hands were trembling. His face felt slack and numb as he sank to his knees on the cold stone battlements. It is such a small thing, the messenger said, his voice curling insidiously. Catch this little thief, for so my master called him, and get from him, willing or no, a little ring, the least of rings that once he stole. Do this and three rings that the dwarf sires of the old possessed shall be returned to you, and the realm of Moria shall be yours forever. Tell us news of him only, and you shall have great reward and lasting friendship from the Lord. Refuse, and things will not seem so well. Do you refuse? Dine remained silent. Don't, Thorin managed. Dine, Bilbo saved our kingdom. Bilbo gave us our home back, the home you have done nothing but protect. We cannot answer that with such a betrayal. We are honorable dwarves. Dine shuddered. I can say neither yea or nay, he said hoarsely. I must have time to decide. Consider well, but not too long, said the messenger. I shall return three times for your answer. The time of my thought is my own to spend, Dine retorted. For now, whispered the messenger, and he turned his horse and cantered away towards the forest. Thorin stared at his cousin and sister, 
his mouth dry and open and his hands loose before him. Dine, he started to say, then clamped his teeth together to stop their chattering. Dee stepped closer to the king. What now? she said in a low voice. He'll be back, Dine said harshly, and he will repeat his offer. He wants Bilbo, said Gloyne. Why would the Eye of Mortar want Bilbo Baggins? A little ring, the least of rings, Thorin mumbled, and his pulse abruptly sputtered to a halt. After the deafening thudding in his ears, the sudden silence was shocking. Wanton isn't getting, growled Dwalin. We're honorable dwarves. We don't repay those who helped us with deceit and betrayal. We don't treat our friends that way. Thorin's head whipped up, and he looked to his dearest friend with surprise and rising hope. Moria. What did he mean about Moria? muttered Gloin, and Thorin's breath escaped him in a whoosh. Balin and Oin have retaken Moria. He cannot. The power that has re-entered Mordor has not changed, said Dine, turning to them. His eyes were alight with anger and fear. It still lies and lies. Lord of Gifts, he calls himself. I and all of them poisoned. We never trusted him, never will, and their gifts always betrayed us in the past. We won't be so thick again. What shall we do? asked the stone helm, his arms bunching in readiness. You, my lad, are going nowhere, so stop thinking about it. You're needed as ambassador to the Dale folk. They have to be kept abreast of this, and you're the crown prince. So start acting like it, Dine said bluntly. The Stonehelm sagged. We need help. We need advice. Advice. The word pricked a memory. Advice. Nice. Lord Elrond, said Thorin aloud. Lord Elrond, echoed Gloin, and he tried to look at his own mouth in astonishment. An elf scoffed Wallen. But Dine met Deese's eyes, and then he raised a hand. Wait, that's not a bad idea, he said. We send some young, brave soldier to Lord Elrond, get some advice, and send word to Bilbo Baggins at the same time. He's living there now, isn't he? Aye, said Dwalin. He left the Shire sixteen years ago. Hate to think how the poor thing's been eating all this time. All right, said Deese, and then she set her shoulders. Who do we send? Who can we trust? There was a ringing silence. Duh, you don't suppose I could. Thorin, my boy, if you don't stop thinking about it, I'll have you doing all the paperwork from now until Doran's day, Dine barked. Send Gimli, Thorin said in a whisper. It quickly rose to a roar. Gimli is the only one I can trust. Send Gimli. Here, what about Gimli? Dwalin turned to Gloin, who paled. Don't you go volunteering another man's son like that, just because yours is underage. Dine's eyebrows rose. Wait, Gimli is... 138, yes, and he's my son. And he's the best axeman in two centuries. Ahem. Except for Dwalin here. 
Aye, and so my son. Dees looked troubled. Her hands clenched tightly around the folds of her gown. Gloin, she said, and reluctance dripped from every syllable. Gloin, I think it must be him. Gloin turned on her, his face purpling. That's my son. Who else would you trust with this mission? said Dwalin simply. Who else is good enough? Gloin hesitated, and then he scowled. Don't see you volunteering. And when war comes back to Erebor, what then? Besides, I'm nearly 250, Gloin, Dwalin said, and lifted his head into the light. The diamond in his glass eye glittered, and every scar stood out upon his tattooed skin and completely bald head. His arms were still hugely muscled, but his beard had turned the color of a winter's sky. He smiled ruefully. Was a time you wouldn't have been able to stop me. Now? He gave a rusty laugh. Gloin paused, staring desperately at his cousin. My son, he said weakly. My star. Dwellin lay a huge and heavy hand on his shoulder. Gloin, he's ready. He won't thank you for leaving him behind, not this time. I. The Leonine Whitehead dropped. Then it snapped back up. Well, I'll go with him then. At least to Rivendell. This needs a dwarf lord as well as a warrior. My boy's good, but he's no diplomat. Dine said gravely, If you're certain, these are not safe times to be traveling over the Misty Mountains. There are no safe times to travel over the Misty Mountains, grunted Dwalin. Never thought I'd say this, but I wish the damned wizard were here. Gloin, said Deese. Cousin, are you sure? You are not a young dwarf. Bilbo's been my friend for nigh on eighty years, Gloin said indignantly, his beard puffing up. I have to warn him. Then he sniffed. And I'm twenty years younger than the gaffer over there. Dwalin growled under his breath. And that's what we do, said Deese with a sigh, and she looked over the ramparts to where the rider was barely visible against the tree line far below, before he was eventually swallowed by the forest. Thorin sank down in relief, his head in his hands. Oh, my friends, he breathed. Oh, Gimli. Oh, Bilbo. Thorin's vow rang in his ears. I will look after you. I will make my amends. The pulse hopped and raced in his throat. He could feel the icy fingers of fate stretching out to crush them all. The great enemy, Mahal had said, nearly eighty years ago. The one who made the seven. Sauron the Great, Gorthar the Cruel, Anatar, Lord of Gifts, the Abord, the Shadow, the Deceiver, the Lord of the Rings. And he wanted Bilbo. Thorin strode into his grandfather's forge, his eyes hard and burning. The frantic babble died down as he entered, and Balin stepped forward, his kindly face pale as chalk. Laddie, is it true? he said. Is it the enemy? Thorin looked at him grimly, before nodding his head once. It is true. Balin let out a stifled cry of distress, echoed by Keeley, Nori, and Biffer. Ori's narrow face went slack in horror, and Freren bit down hard on his lip. 
tell us, said Thror, looking up, what happened after we left. Thorin did not look at Thrine. They have turned the messenger away unanswered, he said, keeping his voice as even as possible. They will send an envoy to Lord Elrond Half-Elven of Rivendell to ask for his wisdom and to warn Bilbo. Bilbo! exclaimed Nori. What does the enemy want with our hobbit? Thorin met Keeley's gaze. His nephew's face was touched with his fear, but his eyes were full of sympathy for his uncle. Thorin took a steadying breath and turned away. A little ring, he said hoarsely. The least of rings. Bilbo's ring, Feely said incredulously. That little gold thing that turned him invisible. The messenger asks for anything regarding hobbits, but he chiefly wishes for that ring. He offered three of the rings and power in return for it, said Thorin, drawing himself up tall in order not to betray his trembling. Both Thrine and Thror sucked in a breath. Three, Ori said in awe. Three of the seven. One of which he took from my hand, Thrine said. Bitterness and rage and misery in every line of his face. The ring of Doran Third, Gifted to him by Celebrimor himself. We do not need his gifts, spat Thror. We have seen how he pays his friends. He is ever a betrayer. Dine, what does Dine say? Thrine turned to Thorin, his massive hands fisted. They will tempt him, I know it. We don't need a bloody ring of power, growled Oin. We are dwarves. We find our power in the earth, not in some damned fool treacherous bit of jewelry made by a shadowy snake. You cannot understand, Thrine roared, standing. They have their own will. Aye, and so do we, Oin also stood. Ma, Mahababayor, Rooks, Katakahiri, Biffer snarled and the assembled dwarves all began to talk at the same time, their voices rising in anger. Ikus! Thorin thundered. They all began to sink back into their places, though many of their faces were still stained with anger. You are fighting over nothing. Adad, Dine does not want the rings. As he once said, dwarves do not quickly forget an injustice. It is three thousand years since Doran IV discovered Sarin's treachery and in return we march with the last alliance and crush the power of Mordor. We do not forgive, and we do not forget. We will not trust the Lord of Gifts again. Thrine slumped, his eyes sliding shut. Fries and Freren went to him and took his mighty hands, gripping them tightly. What did the messenger say to that? asked Freyra, her hazel eyes cold. Nothing, because Dine told him nothing, Thorin said. They stall him. He will return to Erebor three more times. Rings, Oin said, pulling at his beard. And what else? That cannot be all. The friendship of Lord Sauron, Thorin spit, and Balin hummed under his breath. And if this friendship is refused, and Dine tells him nothing of our burglar? Thor pierced him with his gaze. And then... Thorin spread his hands. He made no direct threat, but the intent was clear. If after the third time he remains unanswered, 
War will be upon them. Balin frowned. Why our burglar? He wondered. Why that little ring? Who wouldn't want a ring that turns you invisible? Nori shrugged. Come in very useful, that. Why would Lord Sauron, who is definitely not a sneak thief or petty scoundrel such as yourself, wish for Bilbo's little golden bauble? Balin said with barely concealed exasperation. Nori rolled his eyes. Let's ask the walking library. Ori? Ori nodded and cleared his throat self-consciously. Well, it's no ring of power. Has no stone or markings. The books all say they had stones and runes. They did, Thoror said shortly, and laid his hand on Thrain's shoulder. Thrain grunted. The Black Messenger will be back, and soon, Thorin said, and his hands gripped the workbench tightly. It is a five-month journey to Rivendell from Erebor. Who does Dine send? asked Thrain in a rasping, halting voice. Thorin glanced at Oin. Gloin and Gimli are going, with any that will join them. Oin sprang to his feet once more. My brother and my nephew to cross the Misty Mountains against the will of Sauron, he roared. And Nori and Biffer also leapt up and dragged at the healer's arms, holding him back. Did you suggest this, Thorin? He stood his ground. I did. You, Oin's eyes bulged, but Balin nodded thoughtfully. Gimli is the best choice. He looked up at Thorin with a shrewd expression. He's honest, brave, and a mighty warrior. He will be the best choice to protect Bilbo. Can the enemy reach Bilbo and Rivendell? Keeley blurted. Balin shook his head. Nigh, lad. Lord Alrond keeps the valley safe. Not sure how, but it is protected against all evil. That's been known for centuries. Can't believe we're going to the elves for help, grumbled Nori. Biffer huffed in agreement. Why, Gloin, Oin said, his expression sullen. Why my family? Gimli for Bilbo's sake and Gloin for Erebor's, said Thorin grimly. He is a better ambassador than any other choice. He is a dwarf lord and a Durin, and he is calmer than the stone helm and younger than Dwalin or Dees. Besides, mighty as Gimli is, he is no diplomat. Gimli, though, said Freese, wrinkling her nose. Little Gimli. To their astonishment, both Ori and Nori laughed. A little, Ori choked. I think you are in for a surprise, Grandmother, said Feely in amusement. Gimli is as broad as Thorin, as strong as Dory, has a beard you could lose a field mouse in, and can wield a double-headed battle axe with just one hand. Freese blinked. I see. Gimli will protect Bilbo, Thorin said, and a shiver raced up his spine. He is the only one I trust with such a task, as I cannot do it myself. And he hears you better than any other in the world of the living, said Feely pointedly. Thorin nodded. Yes, he hears me well. Will it truly be a war, do you think? said Keely his eyes wide. Thorin swallowed through a throat made tight and painful. I fear so, he muttered. War will come to Erebor.
Balin sighed gustily. Again, twice in a generation. These are evil times, my friends. Is this it, then? said Freren, sounding very, very young. Thrine's hand tightened on his. Not just Erebor, said Fries, her perceptive eyes on Thorin's face. Not just Erebor. The enemy will never be satisfied with one small corner of Arda. This is the war that will cover the lands in darkness. Mordor will rise again. Thorin's chest rose and fell as he tried to calm his breathing. Then he said, The war that began so long ago is now approaching. The war for Middle-earth. Well, good thing we're safe in Amen, remarked Nori, and he was silenced by an elbow from Ori. Soren wants Bilbo, Thorin said, and the words caught in his throat and choked him for a moment. I cannot allow that to happen. I swore to protect him and all he loves. I cannot fail him. Duchel Tasa teased Bahun, muttered Biffer. Are we burglar? Thor stood. He crossed to Thorin in silence, his eyes flinty and stern. Thorin was struck by the memory of his mighty grandfather, Thor's son of Dine, king under the mountain, riches dripping from his fingers and beard and the crown set upon his head, stately, wise, and magnificent. With a sudden jolt, Thorin realized that he had taken direct control of the council. For all his talk of relinquishing leadership and command, with two dwarf lords and two true kings before him, he had taken charge as though it were the most natural thing possible. Thorin lowered his eyes as Thor neared, and Thor reached out and lifted Thorin's chin. Your father told me, he said softly. It's this one, isn't it? The one the rider wants. Thorin nodded once, and then let his eyes drop again. You mean he knows? He vaguely heard Ori whisper, only to be hushed by Feely. Thor tilted his regal head, considering. Then he pinched Thorin's cropped chin with gentle fingers. Why, my child? I owe him, Thorin said, his voice low. I owe Bilbo Baggins everything. I took so much from him, grandfather. I stole his peace and his comfort and his safety and his contentment. And in return, he helped me gain my heart's desire and claim my home. And, and I was blind to what we might have been. And he has been alone ever since. I can never repay the debt I owe him. But a hobbit. Thorin bristled. Yes, a hobbit. A fine, brave, loyal hobbit. And a hobbit is no bad thing to be. Thor smiled faintly. Well, no accounting for taste, grandson. Still, we'll do all we can. We'll not let anyone harm your halfling or anything that's dear to him. We watch with you. We watch with you said Balin, and stood, his shoulders straightening. If you lot think I'm leaving my nephew under the eye of you miserable rogues, you've got another think coming, Oin declared. Free stood, her face resolute and her eyes fixed on Thorin. My son, she said, we follow your lead. We'll watch and report, and your gift can do the rest. I told you, Thrine said gruffly, coming to stand by his wife. We're here if you need us, boy. Well, you're going to need us, 
Feely said with a stubborn jerk of his chin, and Keely nodded rapidly. Definitely going to need us, he echoed. Rosh Shandabi. Biffer slapped his legs, and then held up a fist, punching the air. Well, I suppose I wasn't doing anything important, said Ori, and Nori's eyebrow quirked upwards. Ori, we're dead. That Gimli boy is a fine warrior, but he needs someone to remind him to comb his hair and beard more than once a month, declared Herrera. Freren also stood and slung a careless arm around Thorin's shoulders. All right, big brother, he said. We're all in. Thorin looked about him at his friends and family, dwarf lords and kings and miners and tinkers and thieves, and he felt the old steel enter his soul once more. He had relinquished command, but here it was again in his hand. So be it. He was a warrior and a war leader, and the greatest war that Arda would see in 3,000 years was upon them. He could feel the fire burning behind his eyes for the first time in 76 years. Drawing himself tall, he felt the mantle of kingship settle around his shoulders as it had never truly done in life. Then we begin, he said, and the faces of his people shone before him. For Erebor and Bilbo. A roar answered him. For Erebor and Bilbo. Untasted wells. He stooped and looked in mirror, mirror and saw a crown of stars appear as gems upon a silver thread above the shadow.